So I'm going to make this work, you know? And so I would carry like some protein powder and, you know, I could go to the store really quickly and buy me like a little small thing of milk or some water and then just throw that together. So you have to just think outside the box and find ways or things that are going to really work for your lifestyle. It's possible. It is not going to be easy because like even me is someone that works in the industry. I struggle with that all the time. It's like, oh my gosh. Hey, 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 welcome to the Hope and Show. This is the podcast that explores the power of holistic wellness and empower you with the tools and resources to become the best version of yourself. We use the wellness model that includes spirituality, mental health, physical health, financial well-being, relationship, occupational wellness, leisure, and fun. How does all these things come together to make us who we are? And how can we live a balanced life? I'm your host, Mildred Diggs, and I'm excited to be on this life journey with you. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Bin Show. This is the podcast. We talk about holistic wellness. We use the wellness model to, to empower individuals to live a balanced life. Um, we all know that one area of our lives connect to the other area, but sometimes we tend to focus on just one part, neglecting the other part. And we wonder why um, we go through some of the stresses we do. So today, our guest is actually somebody who is well-renowned in the wellness space. She's uh, been a director of wellness programs. She's a functional nutritionist, and she really focused on getting minorities um, that tailored nutritional program that they need to improve their overall health. So, Sierra, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me and having me on the show. Thank you for coming. Um, so as a tradition for the show, we asked the guests to introduce themselves. So when I say, uh, Sierra, who are you? Ah, wow. That's a really great question. Um, let's see. So I've been working in the public health space for over 10 years. Um, I started out in uh, local city government working as a nutrition educator and also started my own business working as a, a health and wellness coach and personal trainer. And so that's kind of how I got my foot into the door. I had my own like personal life change, health crisis. And I really realized that like, hey, it's time for me to get my health together. And so that just opened up the door for me to start to help other people. And then eventually in my coaching business, I realized that a lot of people were struggling with nutrition. And I felt like I didn't have the expertise to really help them in the ways in which I wanted to. And so I went back to school and got my master's degree in nutrition and integrative health. And so now I practice as a clinical nutrition and wellness specialist, um, but also as well as like working with other nonprofit organizations as well, as you mentioned, uh, as a wellness director. So, yes, that's kind of been my history in the industry. Well, that's really great. And I also know you have a background in communication as well, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's like my first love. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in journalism. And so, you know, did the the media and television thing for a little time and just decided that, hey, I kind of wanted to pivot and go somewhere else. Okay. So you went through your own health and wellness journey to get to the space you are. Um, tell me, what was it like uh, when you were going through that period? Yeah. So, you know, I feel like growing up, I've struggled with my weight 
um, you know, probably once I started hitting adolescence and it could have been for various reasons. I don't, I can't say that I can pinpoint it, you know, obviously nutrition and diet is definitely key. Um, but whatever the case may be, I, I struggled there. Um, and then once I got to high school and I started like walking to school, like the weight started coming off and it was like, okay, I'm like a whole different person. And then you go through the phase when you go to college and, you know, you gain the freshman 15 and all the other things happened. And so I got to a point where, you know, I was meeting with my primary care physician and my levels, um, especially specifically for like my blood pressure started kind of getting that borderline point. And she was like, Hey, I don't want you, I don't want to put you on medication. So let's try to fix this with diet and lifestyle changes. And, you know, at the time I was like, okay, I want to take this seriously. Like my health is really important. And me thinking really like long-term, right? Like ultimately I want to have kids. I want to have a family and I want to be around for my kids. And so it was like, Hey, you need to get your, your act together. You need to start taking your health more seriously. Let's look into what types of foods you should be eating. Um, let's look into actually being physically active. And so I started doing those things and just making those small steps and changes. And, you know, it turned into like a whole career move. So. Wow. Well, not everybody usually go from like trying to make that lifestyle change just into making this a career. But obviously this has impacted your life. Um, uh, tremendously, there is this notion. I when I talk about wellness or you know health to people, a lot of people focus on the physical side. Some people focus on the uh, you know just the exercise part, and they really forget about the nutritional part. How uh, big of an importance you know nutrition play when somebody is looking to be healthy overall? Man, so nutrition is so important. And I don't think nutrition really gets the respect that it deserves um, in the industry, because a lot of times we're just not as a society, you're not we're not really educated on the importance of the foods that we eat and how they impact our body. And so like the foods that we eat are going to provide us with several nutrients that are then going to be really important for processes in the body to actually help our body function properly. And so the foods that we eat are so important just for like vital and overall function. And so, yes, like knowing what foods you should be eating, how much you should be eating, you know, all of those things are really important to really contribute to overall health and wellness. So what are some of the, you know, misconceptions or some of the myths when it comes to uh, nutrition that you've heard out there? Um, I would say that there's just a lot of like white noise. I will say that, you know, one of the things that like we have to think about with nutrition is that it's very visceral. You have people on opposite side of the spectrums that believe that, you know, this diet may be key for one person or we should eat this way. And so there's various opinions in the industry. Um, there's a lot of noise. And so it can be very difficult to kind of sift through that to really figure out what is true, what's important. So one of the ways to really answer your question, I would say, is that like individualized nutrition is really key and important for me. And I really use that with working with clients. And so like what works for one person may not work for the other. So when it comes to looking at these myths, sometimes it just may be that, hey, this may work for one person and it may not work for the next. Um, a lot of times I hear people say like, well, you know, you can't eat healthy um, 
because it's so expensive. And to some extent, that could be true for some people, right? But there are things that we can do to actually still maintain optimal health and eat healthy and do that on a budget without breaking the bank. And so it just takes a little extra effort to be able to do that, but it is possible. Um, I think sometimes when we look at our cultural traditions, a lot of times people may feel that they have to like completely get rid of the foods that they're used to eating in order to eat healthy. And that's not true at, at, you know, at all. So that would be like another myth. I like to look at it as like, hey, let's try to you know, maybe change some of the cooking techniques. Maybe we can do some things a little differently. Maybe we can add this to it, limit this, you know, so there are certain ways that we can kind of work around it so that we can still preserve like our cultural heritage and things when it comes to like certain foods. But I would say those are kind of like two, a couple of the like big myths that you hear people say, they just think that they have to like stop eating everything that they're used to eating and they, they just can't, you know what I mean? And it's like, no, we don't have to do that. I'm glad you brought up the culture piece because that's one of the biggest problems that I, you know, I see, especially when I was at the bedside. We ask people to make these lifestyle changes, right? And a lot of times their, you know, wellness programs or apps, they the, the meals are not tailored to, you know, other people's cultural preferences. So what happens is people start on these diets and, you know, they're excited. I'm going to make this lifestyle change. But they realize that this is not what my palate is used to and I've not grown up eating this kind of food. So then eventually people drift back to, you know, behaviors that they used to do prior to being ill or, or, or whatnot. So that is, I think is really critical, including the, uh, uh, a person's cultural background. Yes, that is really key. I think when it comes to like being a practitioner, a medical professional, cultural competence is extremely important. And I think it's something that is really needed when we're going into like whole person care and, and just really caring for, for the people that we're serving, right? Because it's important to really understand what's important to them so that they don't feel like they're losing a sense of self when it comes to just being healthy, you know? And so that's just, that's really important and it's key. So you talk about healthy food being expensive. I I was having a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago and we were talking like with your health, you either pay upfront or you pay later. And it's always, always costly, you know, to pay later. Um, but there are some other people who are also experiencing um, food insecurities, right? Where it, it really is not that I don't want to, but I don't have the means of, of, you know, buying the healthy stuff when my resources are limited. So I need to get things that are going to, you know, fill my my kid's stomach. Right. So how do people in situations like that actually, you know, try to, I guess, eat healthy as much as they can, but also like scratching their, like how can they scratch their resources? Yes. So this is, oh my gosh, a really great question. There's so many ways to answer this. And so many things that I can think of, you know, there are so many barriers to, you know, people being able to eat healthier. Um, and so one of the things that I would definitely say someone could do to try to stretch their money that they do have if they're trying to eat much more healthier. One of the things that I like to tell people to do is like, I think it, it is really necessary for a lot of 
things, how we like attack health and wellness would be planning, right? Planning is so important. So let's talk about meal planning. Let's talk about what meals can you eat that are going to fit within your budget and then even taking a step back. Like, so when we think about meal planning, let's talk about what do you already have in your cabinets? Look at what you already have first. Then we're going to look at the weekly circulars. So you're going to look at, you know, the grocery stores that are closer to you or whatever you have access to that you can get to find out what's on sale. So, you know, they you, you see that they have strawberries on sale this week and they're at a really great price. So let's add strawberries to the list because now you're able to get a little bit more for your money. Um, and then you can take what's on sale and start to plan a meal around that for the week instead of just saying, OK, well, this week we're going to eat, you know, some spaghetti or we're going to eat this and we're going to eat that. Um, but you're being a little bit more strategic because you're finding those items that are much more affordable. Also, shopping at grocery stores that are typically known to offer um, quality foods at an affordable price. One of my favorites are going to be like Aldi's, um, Lidl's. I love those particular grocery stores because I'm able to go and purchase organic items, you know, and also purchase them probably at the same prices that they would be, you know, that maybe a non-organic at a traditional grocery store. Um, and so I do like to kind of... Um, Put that out there for people to go shop at some of those stores because they're able to get a lot. Like when I was working as a, a wellness di director for a nonprofit, like I could literally go into Aldi's and spend 30, 40 dollars and feed about 15 to 20 people. And so, yeah, like you just have to be really strategic and you have to kind of know how to make it work. Another good thing, though, is that in a lot of these um marginalized communities. The great thing is that we have community organizations who are kind of like coming together to fill that gap or the barrier for accessible foods. And so sometimes there may be like mobile markets that you could go to there. If you're on Snap, you know, you're able to at some farmers markets, able to get additional monies to spend if you shop at the farmer's market using your SNAP benefits. And so it's just being aware of some of the programs that exist out here for you to be able to kind of stretch the dollar. It's possible. I'm not saying that it's definitely going to be easier. I mean, obviously, it's much easier to say, hey, I'm going to go to the grocery store and buy this highly processed food item that's only a dollar. Like, yes, that makes sense. Um, but like you mentioned before, you know, sometimes we have to kind of look at the, um, you know, put it on a, like uh, the spectrum. It's like, hey, do I want to pay now or do I want to pay later and pay later when it's going to be dire and it's going to be, you know, it could put my life at risk. And I think a lot of times, you know, what I find in just in general with health and, and nutrition practice that a lot of people don't see the value in like going to see a dietitian or a nutritionist, right? Because it's like, well, I don't need that. But they start to see the value in needing those services when their health is impacted. And it's like sometimes, you know, it's unfortunate because it's like, oh, well, now I have this medical condition that I have to manage. And some of them can be reversed, but sometimes that, that may not be the case. And so I think it's just really communicating to people that you can start making those small changes now to start to see them add up to big steps to really improve your health. It's a great point when you talk about some of the community resources. I know here in Montgomery County at uh, the university's uh, Shady Grove, they have, a, I think it's weekly, where they have a, a, a food market where community members, not just students, but community members can come 
And they always have like different produce that you can come and pick up and, and, you know, and use that uh, for meal prep. But another thing you talk about, uh, um, using, uh, utilizing nutritional services, right? A lot of times people say it's expensive, right? It's, like you have to be well off to utilize some of these um, services. But what I find out that not a lot of people knows some insurance covered that cost. Yes. Yes, that is so true. There's so many ways to answer these things. And there's so many things that we can do better to really fix the system because it's broken, you know, to really address the needs of our community. Uh, But there are resources out there. There are community health centers that you can go and maybe be able to meet with someone that could help put you, you know, point you in the right direction. And so don't feel as if like, well, because I can't afford this service that I can't get any type of help. There is somewhere someone that can definitely help you, you know, navigate this. And so, you know, I don't want price to ever be a barrier to someone being able to receive the help and services that they need. And so that's why we do have some of these community health organizations. And I think, you know, like for me in my practice specifically, like I like to offer, you know, a sliding scale when it comes to, you know, paying for nutrition counseling services. And so I think that's really important. Um, You know, when we navigate these spaces as like practitioners um, and community health workers, but there are definitely um, some community health organizations, I'm sure across the the U.S. that are able to provide some of those services at a lower cost or even free for some of those folks in need in the community. And so the services are out there. They exist. You just have to find the right person to connect to to be able to get that help that you need. And there's so much information that you can find online. Like I know in D.C., like the Capital Area Food Bank does a really great job of like offering classes to anyone. And you can come learn how to like garden and um, you can learn how to like eat healthy on a budget. And so it's just finding those resources, honestly, to be able to make a step in the right direction. So one of the big problem when I talk to people that they have is like, I'm busy, right? I'm busy. I don't have time. Listen, um, I wish like my life would just like somebody can just prepare the meal and, you know, and put it on my dining room table. I promise I will eat healthy if somebody can do that. Um, but time constraint is a, a major factor, especially people who have like multiple responsibilities. Right. It can be hard to navigate. Um, so how do you th- how can people who, have, who find themselves in you know situation like that actually and want to eat healthier? How can they? have a balance with that? Yeah. So the, my response to that is going to be really knowing yourself. You really have to know yourself to really be able to do this. Right. And so knowing who you are and what your, what your needs are. And so my first and always the, the, the key, I think concept here is always going to be plan. You got to plan ahead, right? So if you know you're having a busy week coming up, or if you know your life is just busy, it's going to be, well, how can I best show up what can I do to better prepare or plan for this week so that I don't like not eat healthy, right? And so one of the things is going to be okay. Well, if you're a person, because a lot of times because we are busy, what do we do? We end up eating fast food. Maybe let's start to look into some of the healthier options that could be available at some of the fast food places. You know, um, just one way to kind of think about it, because we have to be honest, we are going to have those moments where we just don't have the time. We haven't cooked. 
But let's work on some strategies that you can utilize when you're eating out. So looking to find out what types of whatever, you know, fast food restaurant that you uh, visit frequently, look and see what's healthy on the menu. And then you can start there and say, okay, well, if I have to eat fast food, then I'm going to I'm going to opt for this option because I know this is going to be a little bit healthier than what I would typically get or eat. Um, If you know that you're always on the go, maybe start to buy some healthy snack options that you can take on the go. You know, uh, planning ahead, making like little fruit baggies that you could use or like some uh, salsa to go containers or guacamole to go containers, um, you know, that you can just add with like some some veggies and kind of eat that. So you can start to think of it in, in terms of that. OK, how do I find how do I find ways to like make this work for my lifestyle? Um, you know, many, many, many years ago when I was like really big into um you know, working out and, you know, all of the things, I actually brought me like this personal blender and I would be able to take that blender and take it anywhere, you know, that I I wanted to go, right. And because it was like, hey, this is important to me. So I'm going to make this work, you know? And so I would carry like some protein powder and, you know, I could go to the store really quickly and buy me like a little small thing of milk or some water and then just throw that together. So you have to just think outside the box and find ways or things that are going to really work for your lifestyle. It's possible. It is not going to be easy because like even me, someone that works in the industry. I struggle with that all the time. It's like, oh my gosh, where has the time gone? So planning is really going to be crucial here. You just, you just have to plan a little bit better because say for instance, like if you're meal planning and you're meal prepping and you have that taken care of, like, you know, there's this concept of like you cook once, eat all week. So if you do that, there shouldn't be any reason why you can't eat healthy. If you've prepped and prepared all of your meals for the week, even if you're busy, you've made that work for your life. And so you're still able to maintain, um, you know, a proper diet. So, yeah, I hope that answers the question. (laughs) It did. And I just I wanted to add to that because one of the things that I've started doing lately, because I have a million one things going on. And I was taking way too long in the kitchen. Um, so we, I decided, you know what? We're going to cut up all the things that goes into the meal that takes time during the week. Um, doing, we're going to cut it all up on Saturday when I have the time. So if you see in our refrigerator, um, we, I have stack of onions, bell peppers, like all the things that I know I use on a frequent basis during the week. And that takes time in the morning cooking. Um, that's what, that's what I have in the refrigerator already prepped. I wake up early, um, because I know when I, like after five o'clock, I don't like doing, uh, house stuff. So I cook in the morning. I make breakfast. I make whatever food that I, you know, want for that day. I cook in the morning. And one strategy I do is because I cook breakfast every weekday. When I'm cooking for that day, I cook something really like that's not going to take a time, like oatmeal. So when I'm really cooking like heavy meal, I cook oatmeal. So then I spend like the most an hour in the kitchen. So I'm in the kitchen from like 6.30ish to like 7.30 and getting my son ready for school. And then I have the rest of my day. So meal is already done. I don't have to be thinking about it. Like, oh, when work is over, I have to do. So it's just like that planning and strategizing like what works for you. Maybe early in the morning doesn't work for you. But finding a time like in your day that works for you, I think it's 
helped me a lot and has given me a lot of time back in my day. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, I think also there are so many, you know, if you're able to afford some of those other services where you can kind of outsource that work, some people can afford like meal prepping or meal planning services where someone is going to cook their meals for them and then they can do that for the week. And so sometimes you also have to think about that. It's like, well, maybe if I don't have the time to do it and I can afford to pay someone to do it, maybe that's something that I can also consider as well. But yeah, I think that is an awesome thing that you're doing because like one, you like realize, hey, I don't have the time for this. This is what works best for me. And you're 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 figuring out how to navigate that space, but also still maintain, you know, your health in the process. And so I think that that's awesome. It makes complete sense to do that. So I want to go into the different fruit groups, right? Because not, again, it comes down to that health education, right? Knowing like the different fruit groups that you're supposed to eat, like you hear the rainbow and and stuff like that. Um, What are the different food groups and why each one of them are important? Yeah. So what we have is called like macronutrients and micronutrients and macronutrients are going to be things like carbohydrates, protein, and fats. And so carbs are our primary source of energy. Once it gets into the body, it turns into glucose. And so we use that, your body uses that as fuel. Um, And so that's going to be really important because if you're not getting enough, you know, carbohydrates, you may feel fatigued, you know, you just may not have the energy, especially if you're like doing a lot of physical activity, you may not be able to like make it through your workout. And so carbs are really important. And I think a lot of times carbs get a bad rep. They have bad, you know, they have a bad rep in the industry. It's like, oh, carbs. Um, But a lot of people don't realize that a lot of there are a lot of fruits and vegetables that are carbohydrates. And so when you think of carbs, you kind of have to expand that to include fruits and vegetables, um, but also, you know, like our whole grains. And so, yes, carbohydrates are really important and the whole grains are going to be really great to provide us with fiber, which we need as well. Um, And then you have proteins. So proteins, we like to call those like building blocks of the body. And so protein, you get those from like sources of meat. You can get those from nuts and seeds, but proteins are going to be really great for like muscle um, building. And so you know, if you're definitely incorporating physical activity into your your life, that's something that you want to make sure you're getting a good source of protein. Um, and then healthy fats. So healthy fats, they are essential for like skin health, um, brain function. And so you want to make sure that you're including fats in the diet. There is like this huge misconception is that like, oh, fats, you don't want to eat them. But yeah, there are certain types of fats that we don't want to include into our diets or really limit. Um, But there are tons of healthy fats that we want to make sure we're getting. And so nuts and seeds are included in those healthy fats. Avocado, you know, is a good source of a healthy fat. Fatty fish, you know, you're getting your omega-3s, which is really great for inflammation. Those are really, you know, a good source of uh, healthy fats. And just being mindful of the cooking oils that you're using as well. That's something that I, I love to, you know, share with people, especially when it comes to like frying and making sure you're not utilizing oils past their smoke points. Um, And so, yes, healthy fats are going to be really important. Um, And so, yeah, those are the big three macronutrients. And then you have micronutrients, which are going to be, you know, like our vitamins and minerals, which we're going to be able to get those from the foods that we're eating, which are going to then be helpful for certain biochemical processes in the body to help our bodies uh, function properly. Okay. So, uh, I'm pretty sure you are familiar with the mind plate. Um, do you mind uh, explaining a little bit? I know in nursing school, it was a big thing. We went over it, but um, 
so I need your a portion of your plate is supposed to be your your uh, green mm-hmm. leafy vegetables yes, yes, and everything. Yes, yes. So there are several different plates out there. I actually like to use um, Harvard Institute of Health. They have a really great plate. And then uh, Bastier has a really great healthy eating plate as well that I use in my practice with my clients. Um, But really the concept and the idea to help people kind of get a better visual of what they should be eating and how much they should be eating. You could sometimes use your your hand to help with that. Um, But a general rule of thumb in which I like to tell people like half of your plate should be like fruits or vegetables um, and really like vegetables. And then you want a quarter of that to be whole grains. And so that could be, you know, your whole grains are going to be like oats, um, barley, wheat, um, those types of uh, grains. And then you also want a quarter of that to be a source of protein. And usually sometimes what I tell people is like the palm of your hand here. That's kind of like what the size of protein should be that's on your plate. Um, There's definitely like misconceptions about like how much protein we should be eating. And, you know, every everybody's different. Everyone has their own like individualized needs for how much of these macronutrients that they need. Um, But generally, that's what I like to tell people, like what you should have on your plate as far as like fruits and vegetables and then how much. Okay, so you and I had this conversation a while back and we were talking about the different benefits of, you know, uh, a proper nutrition. Right. And we were talking about a good sex life and you know, just the quality of your skin and your hair. What are some other benefits of, you know, just eating healthy? So, I mean, honestly, everything. There isn't like not uh, a good benefit to to eating healthy because our um, diet plays such a huge role huge role in many of the processes of the body. And so, you know, when you're eating healthy, it really can address some of, you know, nutritional deficiencies that we see in people. So like, just for an example, a lot of times when it comes to certain skin conditions, it could be because there is a nutritional deficiency. A lot of times we can connect that to someone not getting a a good source of omega-3s, right? And so if we start to increase um, and, and eat more of that, then what do we see? We typically see more improved skin health. And so that's just kind of like one of the ways. But our our diet is connected to like our mood. You know, how are we feeling? The foods that we're eating impact our mental health status. You know, traditionally, what we've seen is that there are a lot of you know, some mental health conditions where we see uh, a huge correlation between um, a decrease in a lot of the B vitamins. And so it's just important, you know, that we're eating a well-rounded diet in order to be able to allow the body to function properly, because we need so many of those nutrients for, you know, say like immune health and, and, and immune support. Um, and, you know, making sure you're getting like a good source of vitamin C or you're making sure you're getting vitamin D. So like all of those things are like interconnected and they're tied together. And so a lot of times, like when you may be feeling a certain way, you want to start to think, well, maybe I could be particularly like, have I been eating enough of X, Y, and Z? You know what I mean? So it's like thinking of it in terms of that. So you talked earlier about snacking, right? Um, that's one of the biggest problems. A lot of people have research shows that sugar is more addicting than cooking. Uh, a lot of people have problems with just snacking or just sugar 
what are some things, uh, what are some strategies that people can use to actually, you know, help decrease added sugar consumption or just like with like the daily sugar in, intake? Yeah. So there are two things that I can think of immediately that comes to mind. Reading nutrition labels are going to be really important and key. A lot of times those sugars sneak up on us and we don't even realize that we're over consuming sugar. So you want to think about what you're drinking. You know, a lot of times those sugars are in a lot of sodas. They're in a lot of like sweet teas, those types of drinks. And so if you're drinking a lot of sodas, that is one way that you could potentially see a decrease in sugar consumption if you limit those. Um, there was a program that I used to run at one of the nonprofits that I worked at, and um, it was a nutrition program. And one of the things that we talked to and did a session on was showing people like how much added sugar is are in the drinks that they consume. And when someone physically see how much sugar is in say like a, a eight ounce or a 16 ounce soda. It's like, it's a shocker to you because you're like, oh my gosh, I would never physically pick up a spoon and eat this much sugar, but it's in a liquid drink. And so I had this one individual who just kind of was like, oh, I'm cutting out the, the, the sodas now. And he actually lost like 20 pounds. And so that wasn't his goal, but that was a byproduct of him actually, you know, decreasing and in, in, in eating uh, less sugar. So you want to start reading the nutrition labels to really find out, OK, how many grams of sugar are in here? Um, and then one of the other things that I would say would be um, really important here when it comes to just like really being mindful of your sugar intake is also eating or I wouldn't say eating, I would say also making sure that you are controlling the ingredients and how do you can control the ingredients you cook for yourself. You know, you start to actually cook and make your meals because you're able to determine, okay, I'm not putting sugar here. I'm not, you know, I'm not adding this to my meal. Um, and so you're able to actually physically see what's going inside of it. Because what happens is a lot of times when we're purchasing these food products from the store, they have to add so much into it just to sustain the, the shelf life of it. And so when you do that, you're adding a bunch of, um, I would say, unnecessary ingredients that are going to potentially cause harm to someone if they're consistently eating it. And so if you could avoid that altogether by making those things yourself, that definitely will put you on the path to, you know, moving in the right direction. Um, and kind of going back to reading the nutrition labels, there are a lot of sugars that go by so many different names that you wouldn't have a clue. Like you would read it and be like, oh, I didn't know this was a sugar. And so just being mindful and being aware of like what some of those names are, um, are going to be helpful in like allowing someone to see like, oh, so this actually has a bunch of added sugars in here. I probably maybe should rethink, you know, actually eating this. Um, so those are just a couple of ways that we can kind of like be a little bit more mindful when it comes to our sugar consumption. Um, but another thing that I, I want to add to that would also be being aware and being mindful of stress in our life, because a lot of times we eat 
and consume those things that make us feel good because we may be dealing with some other things, right, that are happening in our life. And so this is kind of like a warm, comforting feeling for us. It's like, oh, I'm going to go get me some cake today or I'm going to go get this. And a lot of times we, our body may be craving those types of things because it's deficient in other um, areas. And so one of the things I would say or, or encourage folks to do is that when you feel stressed, and you feel that you have a desire to eat something that's going to be sugary and sweet, really sit with yourself first and be like, hey, am I eating this because I really want to eat it? Or am I eating it because I'm trying to deal with some emotions that maybe I'm not really ready to address? Or, you know, maybe I can find another way to address this feeling. Maybe I could do some mindful meditation. Maybe I can go for a walk. Maybe I could just drink some water, you know, to kind of like deal and address that craving. So, yeah, there's so many different things. That we can do. So one of the things that another way you mentioned stress, a lot of ways some people deal with stress is overeating. Right. Um, and portion control. Sometimes people say, you know, my biggest problem is how do I ma manage, you know, the? it's not what I eat, but it's how much I eat. So people who are going through, you know, facing challenges with potion control, um, what are some advice or some tips that you can give to them? So I would say, okay, so here's the, there's, I have certain feelings around like portion control. And I think it's so important, especially for someone that is struggling with like how much you should eat. But I don't want it to be constrictive because what we find is that when things are constrictive, people start to divert anyways. You know, when people, when I, if you tell someone you can't eat this, they're more than likely going to want to eat it because they know that they can't eat it. Right. And so it's, I, I like to tell people to focus more so on like eating the things or eating more of the things that you actually need. And not necessarily focus, focusing on like, well, I can't eat this or I need to not eat this because a lot of times we're just going to naturally want to gravitate to those things anyway. And so for someone that is struggling with portion control, let's show you the proper portions for what you actually need to eat. And then once you kind of have that down pack, if you're still struggling there, then that's kind of address what else is going on. You know, there could be some other things. Um, that we could potentially address outside of just like diet and nutrition that could be like why this person may be like feeling the need to kind of overeat or eat more of this. But a, generally, a lot of people just don't know. They don't know that they're overeating something. And that goes back to like not necessarily reading the labels. You know, if you look buy a bag of chips and you look and it's, it tells you how many servings are in the bag, you think you may think that, hey, I can just eat this thing in one sitting. But once you read the label, you find that, oh, this actually has three servings. So now, you know, like, OK, I probably should break this out into three different portions to stretch this because this is actually intentionally made to be, you know, the portion size is pot size is actually a half a cup of chips instead of it being the three cups that I've been eating. You know, and so it's just really being aware of what the actual portion sizes are and being able to take that. And then putting those steps into place. And I've had folks who, you know, have had difficulties with portion portion control. And it was just because they didn't know. They were unaware that they were really kind of like overeating. And so once you kind of give people that visual of like, this is what this is how much you should actually be eating. It makes sense. And it's a little bit easier to 
kind of take those steps and implement them and, and eat a little better. But we don't, like I said, I, we don't want to like make this constrictive for people because then it starts to, it can, it can lead to some unhealthy eating practices. And, and I think a lot of times uh, some people come to the concept of like eating healthy with a lot of barriers because there are other things that are kind of going on with our health that makes it a little bit harder for us to want to eat healthy because it feels so restrictive. And so I don't like um, to, to kind of have that lens when it comes to eating, you know, I don't like to coin foods as being like bad. There are definitely some that are better, you know, than others that we should be eating for sure. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. So you mentioned about um, people go through these phases or sometimes these circles where um, they overeat and now they feel guilty and they want to lose all the weight. So then they start under eating or they start trying all these different you know, diets, right? Um, there's so many diets out there. I remember talking to somebody, um, a former coworker of mine, and it was like, Oh, are you on this diet? I said, No, I'm I'm not doing a diet. I'm just, you know, living healthy, right? I'm just living a healthy lifestyle. I'm not doing a diet. So like there are people who may be listening to us and say, you know, I go through this period where I overeat and then I feel really guilty, really bad. And then I start to starve myself and I'm, I'm under eating. What what can you say to people like that? Yeah. So I have definitely been there. And, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I was talking about kind of like not being restrictive when it comes to the portion control, because like I've been on that side where I'm like calorie counting and I'm like scanning all my things and I'm, it's just like really restrictive. And then you find yourself, you're like, I'm under eating here. And now what I'm going to do is overeat. And so what research has shown is that when we, when we are restrictive and, you know, we're under eating that it actually causes us to binge eat. And so you definitely want to be mindful of that. And that gets into a whole nother, like, um, what, what is the word that I'm looking for? Um, a whole level of care that someone needs when we're kind of doing like that binge eating. Um, there are some other things that we have to address there. And so it's not, it's just like cookie cutter response, honestly, for that. Um, but initially, when you think about it, you know, we have to really start thinking about like, what do we want? What do we want out of our life? What is, what is our goal? Do we want to have optimal health? Do we want to live healthy? And we have to stop thinking that we have to do things a certain way to be able to achieve the success. You know, your journey is not going to be the same as someone else's journey. And, and a lot of times what we see on social media, it's kind of glamorized, um, you don't know if that person is really eating the things that they're saying that they're eating. You know what I mean? And so you just kind of have to be mindful of like the voices that you're listening to. Um, and I think in this particular state, it is going to be really important for you to work with, uh, you know, a, a medical professional that can really help and assist you in the right way. Because a lot of times we just need the support we need, whether it could be, you know, like a health coach or a nutritionist or, you know, a, a doctor or a nurse, like someone that can just kind of help you along that path and give you just a little bit of guidance towards the right direction. Because calorie counting, for me, is not the way to go anymore. I, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. And it's something that I haven't necessarily seen work for, 
you know, some of my clients because it can be so restrictive. And so this is where we just work on like this is the types of foods you should be eating. Let's incorporate this a little, you know, let's just start eating more fruits and vegetables. Like my motto is keep it simple. You know what I mean? And so let's start to do that before we worry about some of those other things um, that we think are important. But yeah, yo-yo dieting. And if you find yourself kind of going up and down, up and down, up and down, it's so normal. It's just because you're restricting yourself. And so because you're restricting yourself, it's going to be harder for you to really stay consistent. So you want to do something where you don't feel like you're dieting. It should be natural. It shouldn't feel like, you know, this is something like this big to do and it changes your life. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It should fit within your your lifestyle. Yes. Like it shouldn't be that escrow work to do it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, lack of motivation is one of the biggest thing people say, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um You've been through your own health and wellness journey. Yeah. What are some of the areas that you pull from to mo- help motivate you or some of your clients that they pull from to help, you know, give that boost or that motivation to make uh, eating healthy a lifestyle rather than um, a diet thing for a temporary state? Listen, okay, I don't even know if I have the answer to that, if I've really figured out the true answer there, because it can be so difficult. Like when you're not motivated, you're just not motivated. And sometimes we're just not going to force it, right? But I think ultimately, you really have to think about what it is that you really want and desire for yourself. Do you want to be healthy? Like, do you want to have longevity? Do you want to have your body function optimally? You have to kind of pull on those whys. Um, you know, your existence. Why are you here? If you have children, do you want to see them, you know, live to have their own kids? Um, You know, do you want to be able to get up every day and go to work so that you can make money to put food on the table? Like those are some things that you have to start to ask yourself because it's like real. Right. And it's like if those are some things that you're like saying yes to, I want to be able to do this. I, I don't want to have a whole bunch of medical bills. Um, if I can help it, if it is something that is within my control. And so I think really having those types of conversations with yourself can really help motivate you to really stay on task for eating healthy. And And it happens, you know, like I'm a big proponent in understanding that during certain seasons of our lives, we may eat certain ways, we may do certain things. And so don't think that it has to be rigid. It has to be you know, in this one particular box, it has to look, yes, exactly. It has to look a certain way for you to be able to do it. Sometimes you have to bend and and it's going to ebb and flow, you know? And so you just kind of have to be able to go along with the flow. But if you don't like, say for instance, you mess up, give yourself some grace. I think also just being really hard on ourselves does not contribute to this healthy lifestyle at all. And so if you mess up, just dust yourself off and try again. You know, I had this one professor, he used to say that what he tells his, tell his clients is like, if you, you know, um, end up eating like a meal that you probably shouldn't have, just eat three more, three, three meals that are going to be healthier, you know, for your next three meals. And it's like, you know, you kind of have to find that balance. It's not to say that we're all perfect and we're all going to be able to eat healthily all the time because sometimes our body just, just needs, some of the things that, you know, maybe you shouldn't have sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, you right, need right. Cookie. You need a cookie, you need a slice of cake. Don't be right. concerned about it. But we don't want to be consistently eating the cookie and the slice of cake, right? You know? Absolutely. So a lot of, you know, 
within our culture, food is everything. You're happy, you eat. You're sad, you eat. Like there's a occasion, you eat. So people can find like sometimes it can be difficult uh, in an environment where uh, if you turn down the food, it seems as disrespect, right? Um, but you're also on this, you know, new lifestyle. So what is some tips and tricks uh, that people can use that when they're in these social settings that they, you know, are still upholding their cultural values, but equally so, you know, stay on the whatever healthy, you know, diet or, or nutrition they're on, still being able to maintain that? Yes. Okay. That's a really good question. There's two things that I, I feel like I want to address with the community piece because that's so important. Um, but I think initially it can be difficult because, you know, you could ostracize yourself from the community in so many ways by following a certain dietary pattern and it can be tough to navigate. Um, and so one of my first pieces of advice is maybe sometimes having those conversations with the people that are close to you, like, hey, I've decided to eat this way. It doesn't mean that I don't like your cooking. It doesn't mean that I don't believe <laughs> I don't believe in our cultural tradition. But what it means is that I value myself. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm now doing a new thing. Okay. You know, like sometimes we have to have those conversations. And it, the conversations don't work like that with everyone. Okay. Cause not everyone no. can get the conversation. <laughs> no. Cause, Cause I, I had that conversation before and it wasn't, yeah, it, <laughs> it didn't turn out so well. <laughs> exactly. Cause it was like, what do you mean? You know, like, oh, you're better than us now. Is that what that means? You know what I mean? Um, but stay strong. You have to stay strong and you have to really believe in what you're doing. I also find that this is a time where you can start to teach people some new and better ways to consume food. Um, but to be honest with you, I've been in that same situation. A lot of times I would just come to wherever I'm going to be and I bring my own food because I know that I'm not able to eat what is here. I already know I'm not going to be able to do that. So I would either like eat before I would bring something that I can contribute to the community, that is something that I can also eat. And it also provides a opportunity for me to share something that other people can try to start to say, oh, this is actually good. Maybe I will. Because that's really what it is. A lot of times we're like I said before, like nutrition is visceral. And so our hearts are, are in foods that we eat. Right. We're committed to that. And so if someone is bringing in something different. It's like, oh, no. But we have to be open minded. And I think it's so important for us to just be open minded when especially if you are trying to eat healthier, you have to be open minded. You have to be willing to try new foods, new fruits, new vegetables, some things you've probably never seen before. You have to be willing to try it because guess what? You just may you just may like it. And so I find that like working in um, the community health space, a lot of times people need to have hands on experience. They need to taste the food themselves. They need to be able to make it themselves for them to be able to be invested in it and say, oh, maybe I will actually consider this. Maybe this is healthy. So I know I answered and went on, kind of went on a tangent there with the response. But I think I think there are just it, it provides an opportunity for us to be able to share 
the good news of health and wellness when we are kind of making those dietary changes and they're for the best. But we also have, you know, friends and family who may not necessarily be on the same path, but we can start to kind of show them, hey, this is something that I'm trying. You know, would you want to taste it or try it out? You know, or blah, blah, blah. But it's not it's definitely not easy. I've been in the situations where I definitely felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm being made fun of because now I want to eat healthy. They people just don't understand. But listen. Folks came around, okay? People will come around. And so you just continue to stay strong out there. If you are one of those people, just stay strong. And, you know, don't, I think another thing too, where people can kind of take offense is if you come into the situation kind of like hiring your horse is what, you know, that they like to say and making it seem like you're better than someone else because you're eating healthier, you're eating a certain way. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not the, the best way to go. So, yeah. I hope absolutely. Oh yeah, it did. It did. Uh, and you hit some really great points. And I think uh, if I would add anything to it, it would be like, if you know, you are a social eater, um, making sure like drinking a lot of water, I find that like if you, when you're drinking a lot of water, um, it tends to fill you up quicker. And that even works for overeating. Like what if you're drinking while you're eating? Because one of the things we do at the bedside for patients who, you know, are not eating much is that we make sure we're not giving them a lot of water so they don't get full so they, you know, can be able to consume. So you can work that in the reverse. If you have a problem with overeating, you know, drinking water as you eat. So then that would also help, you know, to make you full. But just in social settings, like stay far away from the table, the food table, you know, positioning yourself in you know, location that is not close to the food table. So you're not tempted, you know, to reach, you know, and grab some stuff from the table. So one of the uh, last thing uh, we like for the guests to be able to three things. We sell a lot of things, um, a lot of good stuff. Um, but if they can walk away with three things, what would you want them to walk away with? Oh, man. Okay. I would probably say three things. Let me make sure I got to hold my fingers up so we can get this together, you know? Um Start small. Don't feel like you have to do everything today to be healthy. Start small. Secondly, I would say, and this kind of coincides with the first one, but I would say take it easy on yourself. You know, if you somehow mess up, you know, excuse me, if you somehow mess up, that's okay. You have another opportunity. Your next meal can be a better meal. You know what I mean? Um, and so don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, the third thing that I would say is find some community, find, get in community with people, um, an accountability partner, someone that's going to be able to hold you accountable for your health goals, someone that you can work with, whether that be, you know, a nutritionist, uh, whoever it is that you you know, want to work with on a, a frequent basis. You know, a lot of times with my clients, we do check-ins. And so they're sending me pictures of the foods that they're eating. So I'm able to say, yes, that's great. Yeah, that looks really good. Because a lot of times we just need to hear somebody say that we're doing a good job. You know what I mean? And so finding an accountability partner, I think is really instrumental or being in community with other people who are like-minded will help you along that, that path. So those would be the three things. All right. Well, 
Thanks, uh, Sierra, for being on the show. I really do appreciate you coming on and just giving us some really great tools and resources that we can, you know, use. Um, you talk about the the play, the Haver, uh, the play that you like from Haver. How can people find that? Um, so I be- I don't even remember the link, but if you just type in har- like harvard.edu and do like healthy eating plate or the plate or something like that, it'll come up. Um, what I can do is find the link after this and send it to you. And then you can kind of make it available for, for people as well, too. I will appreciate that. So guys, this is another episode. I'm so glad we were able to get Sierra on the show. And Sierra, if first of all, are you taking clients right now? Yes, I actually just started back. Um, so I was on a break and now I am welcoming clients um, so yes, if there's anyone that, you know, is interested in, you know, getting um, or working with someone that can help, I am able to offer medical nutrition therapy. Um, and so if you're interested, um, you could email me at info at sierracoppage.com. That's info at sierracoppage.com. All right. Thank you very much, Sierra. Thanks for tuning into the whole Ben show today. We hope that you found value in today's episode and that it inspired you to live a more balanced and healthy life. Remember, we're here to help you balance your mind, nourish your body, and elevate your spirit one episode at a time. If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and subscribe. Follow us on social media at journey underscore T-W-B-S. Journey is spelled J-O-U-R-N-I-Y. We know wellness is a journey, but we also know that it needs to be inclusive. That's why we spell journey with an I. So go ahead, follow us, subscribe, and leave us a feedback because that's how we know to produce content that will be valuable to you.